This is Dave Brown, and welcome to the Frontline Freedom Adventure Therapy Podcast. As an adventure therapy nonprofit organization, we cater to frontline workers, especially those in the public safety and healthcare sectors. On this podcast, we cover relevant topics to public safety and our frontline workers' overall health by exploring the mental health benefits gained through outdoor recreation, leadership development, and self-improvement. If you have a story you'd like to share, send us an email at podcast at frontlinefreedom.org. If you're looking for more information about Frontline Freedom Adventure Therapy Trips, check out our website at www.frontlinefreedom.org. I don't want them to just survive in the job. I want them to thrive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I have an opportunity to be the guy that I looked up to when I was a, when I was a, a younger officer. Mm-hmm. I do. And, and what, when I, and just like I was telling you, Josh, is the idea that, you know what, what meant a lot to me are those older guys that took me off to the side and was that, um, they were that lighthouse in uh, the stormy first few years of the job. Mm-hmm. And now I've got some time on, I want to be that lighthouse for these other guys. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. I, I want to be that, because if I'm not, who will? Right. Well, and what you see now, and, and it's, in, it's in every industry, it's not even just in um, you know, first responder type positions, it's, it's in corporate America, it's, it's in even the stay-at-home jobs, you know, where you get to work mm-hmm. from home and have your laptop or whatever. But what you see is, is, is a lack of, of true leadership where, I, I don't know if it's people trying to be friends with other people or if they're not seeing, like, because if you have a bad day, and let's say if you work for me and you come in and you have a bad day, I have a choice right there as a supervisor or a leader. I can either buy into whatever you're mad about and try to make it like you and I are on the same page and say, yeah, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. F the man, right? Like, that's the easy way out. Right. Mm-hmm. Or it can try to make your life suck less, right? And, and, and <laughs> not enough people take that latter route. You know, no. they, they, they'll, they'll go it's into... Harder. It's harder. It is. It's the steeper hill to climb. Right. Yeah, and we and we talked about that mm-hmm. earlier, you know, with, with backpacking. You, you have that hill, but it's worth it once you climb it. Absolutely. And, and I wish more people would get that because I see it everywhere. And... You know, my, my brother-in-law doesn't even work in public safety. I think we just found our next podcast. Oh, you slick m- mother. <laughs> so thanks anyway. for joining. Uh, nobody knew I was recording. So <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, realistically, when you look at, um, you know, where our great leaders are, you know, the three types of leaders, the one that you forget because they had no impact on you whatsoever, right. and the one you wish you could forget because they were such an a-hole. And the one you hate. Yeah, yeah, but you got the, the, the dude that was there for you, the one that made you want to come to work. Regardless of what other chaos was happening in the world, you mm-hmm. wanted to go to work because that person made you feel just a little bit better. Even you could be having the worst day outside of work, yep. dreading coming to work because, you know, I got this to do, got that to do, this follow-ups, this deadline, whatever. I don't care what industry you're working in. We all have those days, but... When you have a true leader who sees that and can work with you through it, and, and I, I think people underestimate how much power they have from right where they are. And you know, so many people I've seen, um, especially in, in the public safety sector, have you, they've wanted to get promoted because of their own interest rather than helping someone else. You oh, know, yeah. and, yep. and it's like yep. that—that's the complete wrong way to do it. Like your desire to move up through ranks, if that's what you choose your career path, should mm-hmm. be solely based on. I can make your life suck a little bit less, a little bit more each rank, until we can try to get it to where I think it's right. Now, yeah. the understanding is sometimes there's forces outside of our control and we can't help, Right. but there's better ways to sell it rather than just saying, oh, well, 
you know, like if I can't control something, I can at least own that and say, look, um, I've tried and because of this force, this force or this force, you know, budgeting, you know, politics, whatever the case may be, maybe mm -hmm. I can't change the situation, but I can change how we feel about it. Yeah, I can. I may not be able to change a situation, but I sure can change how it affects me. I, yeah. I have I have a conscious decision to make. I can either make that conscious decision and say, yep, I'm going to let this affect me, or I can say, you know what, I'm not going to let it affect me because I have more important things than drama or uh, issues that I can't control. Then it's then it's right. It's it's not it's not worth worrying about. Well, and on the it, flip side of that, like you know. I, Looking, you guys know me. You know how I'm like I'm the polar opposite of that. Right. Um, and I had people try to tell me that, but if you were talking to me, say in 2016, I haven't figured that out for myself yet. Like, how do we, if anybody that may or may not be listening to this, how do we tell them to get through that? Because I'm gonna be honest. Like, if I had the answer, I would give it out right now. Are you talking from like a leadership position or no, just a any position? It could be leadership. Could be just a coworker. Could be a buddy. Could be a multitude of things. Because you know, I had guys like, dude, like what you're doing is a conscious decision. And now where I sit here today, like I, I know they were right, but in that moment, I didn't get that. Yeah. So sometimes it's hard for us to get out of our own way. Yeah. I, I mean, it really is. Especially, I mean, if we're beat down. I, I mean. I've been there myself where yeah. I know what I'm doing is a conscious decision to be upset and can't get it out of my head. But uh, at the same time, I can't get out of my own way. And, and I think something you said when we were talking in the last podcast, it, it really doesn't matter if you're a leader or a friend or a buddy, regardless of what that position is, it comes back to, to being a good person, being a good dude, like, yeah. like you talked about. I mean, one of the best conversations I ever had was with a friend. I, you know, he'd been on a couple of deployments, came back, and something wasn't right. And I started picking up on that, and then he kind of snapped at me one day at the office. And I'm like, that's not like this guy, right? right. So I have a choice. Do I, do I meet his force with force, which is like the typical type A, what we do yeah, in public but safety? But yeah, happens, yeah. yeah, am I going to butt heads with him, or am I going to say, okay, if this is a new behavior, what has changed? Okay, he just came back from a deployment. Do I think he saw some shit over there? That's probably a good reason as to mm -hmm. what's happened. So it comes down to being a good dude. And I'll never forget, we went into a closed door and he, he started apologizing. He's like, hey man, I'm really sorry for uh, blowing up at you yesterday. And I'm like, I, I don't really care about that right now. I, I really don't. Um, I'm more interested in you because you don't seem like you and um you know apparently you know he'd have that talk with his wife and mm -hmm. but it took hearing it from somebody who wasn't his family who doesn't mm -hmm. see him every day to for that to really set in and i think yeah. that's where it comes down to being in tune with who, who's around you and, mm -hmm. and you know when you talk about leading people through that time of their life it's it's being in tune with them enough to recognize that there's something going on and then you just being there for him being that good dude yeah yeah, and that's one of the things, you know, like what I've seen kind of a, a change in my career. You know, when I first came on, like, where I worked, every Sunday, the midnight crew, which I was the young guy, I was on the midnight crew, in a day shift crew, every Sunday morning, we all went to Cracker Barrel. That's like, so awesome. Yeah. That's and, so I awesome. I mean, and that was just what we did. Um that, that, and it's ironic you say that. Is because but I don't see that happening as much nowadays. You don't. No, um, you don't. Now, now I can sit there and say, you know, hey, you know, whatever. But with that being said, you know, one of the things I can say that has definitively helped me, um, you know, because like th th there was a stage when I was really 
spiraling in. I had already been going downhill for quite some time, but I was spiraling in um, to where you know it went, I, I, it went from a it went from a, a, a it went from losing ele elevation to a um, steep dive, yeah, a nosedive. Yeah, and to I even had the conscious thought, and I remember exactly where I was, exactly what I was doing, and I remember the conscious thought was, I'm losing my mind. Like that was verbatim went went through my head. Am I going crazy? Yeah, You're asking and, yourself, is, yeah. is this is this. This can't be normal. I mean, I'm not a doctor. So That's kind of a red flag. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're asking yourself that, like, yeah, dude, I was in a bad way. But with that being said, you know, when I first started, you know, every Sunday, everybody got together and ate breakfast. You know, the midnight crew stayed over. Mm -hmm. The day shift. We met. We had, we had breakfast at Cracker mm -hmm. Barrel. It's just what we did. Um, and you talked about... What happened on midnight shift or and what it, the older guys did yeah. when they were in your shoes. And it wasn't even like a serious talk. No. Like it was yeah. just us laughing, cutting up. But what I am learning, and unfortunately it took me this long to learn it, but kind of like when we take guys in the woods with these trips, it becomes a shared burden. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where, you know, I can say in my career, you know, as time has progressed, we've transitioned away from where that was a thing. Well, whereas a shift, like, I don't know if we can say companies, but I'm going to say it anyway. But um, every Tuesday, we went to Skyline Chili. That's what we did as a day shift. Mm -hmm. And, like, you guys get a kick out of this. I got irritable bowel syndrome. So you can know how every Tuesday <laughs> afternoon went for me. But that's where the team right? went. Yeah. Right? right? Hence right. why your son calls me bubble guts. That's exactly right. So, but that's where the team went. And I wanted to be where we were. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like the um, years ago when before I started in, started in this profession is I, I had an I had an old deputy sheriff sergeant. Um, I asked him about advice before I was going into this training, mm -hmm. and he's like, "Look, just remember when you guys are on a PT run or something, the guy beside you on your left and the right." They're experiencing the exact same thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. So if they can do it, so can you. Mm -hmm. And I remembered that, and I'm like, you know what? That's that's kind of a unique way of looking at things. And mm -hmm. now when I'm backpacking, and I'm in a group of four or five guys, and we're cl all climbing up that same steep mountain, and it's rough. Oh, so you're and, saying we're approaching from different spectrums again. Huh? We're approaching from different spectrums again, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I'm the guy on the side of the trail vomiting. <laughs> like, screw this. It sucks. So, and, and it's yeah, Rocky didn't look like he was experiencing the same thing as you. I yeah. <laughs> That's well, why when Rocky's son was like, hey, dude, I'll stay with your son. And I'm trying to coach oh, your yeah. son into, hey, buddy, if you need a break, I'll stay with you. I wanted him to stop. And he kept walking. I'm like, all right, seriously, dude, stop for a minute. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, like I need to catch my breath. He's such a good kid. <laughs> it's the it's the it's that shared like, hey, we're all experiencing this pain. We're all yeah. experiencing this heartache. We're all in the same boat. Yeah. And that's what we're you know, what we've all seen with these trips. Even guys or gal, you know, whoever that come from different agencies, different uh, public safety professions, whatever. It becomes a shared burden. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. You know, rather than me carrying my baggage, for lack of better terms, up the mountain, we're going to carry it together. Yep. Um, and at least for me, like that's one of the big things. But let me ask you this. I mean, whether it's where we work or wherever, it, it, it private sector doesn't matter. How do we change it? 
because I, I can say in my career, and I think the three of us were all kind of the same generation, um, I've seen that change where this used to be like that's just what happened. We went to breakfast together. We went to lunch together. We, we ate back at our where we were assigned together. And mm -hmm. at, at some point, we, and I'm not saying us, but we, generally speaking, we have gotten away from that. And, you know, I think that is a pretty significant way, regardless of what agency, what department, what public safety profession you're in, I think that is a way that things can become a shared burden, where it's not just I have to carry it or you have to carry it. Right. We're all going to carry it while we're sitting over this skyline chili and then yeah. we'll get the bubble guts. You, you know, um, I, I think a lot of that comes from the, the person who's in charge of that unit, whatever that shift, whatever you want to call it. That's that, huge. That, that's on them. It, it really is. And I'm not trying to, you know, blame them for anything because I think sometimes it gets misconstrued as am I allowed to? Um, and, and I remember um, we would all meet at 4 a.m. at the Waffle House, and if you didn't have a drunk, then you weren't invited. But you still got to you come still got invited. You just yeah. maybe buy it. Yeah, yeah, you just might have to buy. Or like, <laughs> yeah, exactly if another right. call for service came in, guess what? I'm eating your food. And you're, hitting the, you're hitting the road, Jack. Like you got to go. Um, but I think to recreate that, it takes a lot of ownership of that person there. And I, I know when I, I got promoted at one point, went to a new facility where that that culture didn't exist. People didn't eat together. They didn't, mm -hmm. didn't break bread. And there's so much power in the act of physically eating with another human being. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's why it's in the Bible repeatedly, you right. know, breaking bread with, with people. I mean, you, you see that in, in all these different scenarios. And what I think it took to recreate that was a few months of saying, all right, every day at 11, we're all going to meet here at this exact time. And we're just going to talk about what's going on. So it got to the point where I wouldn't let anyone come to the post because they were out, you know, doing their normal job. But the, the, the payback for that was at 11, we all met at the same time. So mm -hmm. rather than sacrificing on the, the beginning at the, at the front end of the shift where, you know, it's natural to kind of congregate or, mm -hmm. or whatever, we didn't do that, but we made up for it by being there at lunch every day and, mm -hmm. and having that time. And, and after just, you know, just a few short weeks, that became the culture. But it really does take that, that focal person that's, that's in charge mm -hmm. to say, hey, this is what we're gonna do. And I can veil it as, all right, we need to go over what our goals are for, for the week, the day, the month, whatever. You can veil it in that, but make sure everyone has something to eat because that's how people converse. It's a, it's a natural meeting place for even families. I have a theory on that. The, I hear it. the idea that when people get together and have a meal, it is not just physical nourishment. It is spiritual and it is emotional nourishment as well, especially when you're in an environment where you are working with uh, the same type of individuals that are doing the same job you are, whether it's a fire department, uh, law enforcement, the same business, the same company, or whatever it is, it's it's it goes deeper than just like physical nourishment. Mm -hmm. You you you're you're cutting up and joking around with each other. Mm -hmm. You have an opportunity to talk about maybe some things that need to be discussed with like-minded individuals. Well, and that's something else. I mean, you know, it, you know, looking at the home front, you know, kind of to piggyback off of that, is, you know, how many people that we've worked with over the years, you know, their spouse. And again, I can use me as a bad example. Hey, you know, you come home, your spouse, family member, whoever, mm -hmm. hey, how was work? It was work. 
they got the same general response, it was at least fine. for me, yeah, every it was time. Fine. Yeah, it was fine. But then my spouse, family member, you know, whoever, whoever that is in your life, when the phone rings and it's someone that I work with, then they hear me venting, you know, going into detail about, what you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and if, if you really think about it, and again, using me as a bad example and just looking, because I think all these things start compounding in so many facets of your life, whether it's professionally, personally, like, it just attacks everything. But, you know, one of the things, it, 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 where it makes them even isolate more, which when, you know, because they see us sharing with somebody that isn't really obligated to really share with, but yeah. I should be sharing it with this person, but I don't. They, they think, they're supposed to share that with me, and they're not. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, one of the things, you know, it, it, and not to be an ass, but, you know, sometimes it is, depending on the circumstances, it is easier to, say, you and I or any one of us, where we talk about whatever, because we've all had similar experiences. So sometimes like that, um, I don't even know what the right word is, but that's already established. Whereas you try to talk about, you know, a, a really horrific scene. Like or, a baseline of understanding, where they understand yeah, where you're coming yeah, from. Right. You what, know, try to talk about with somebody who hasn't experienced it. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, and well, I don't know what that well, fix I th is. I, th I, think, I think in my experience, when I've tried to explain my day or what happens, it's, it's an interruption. It's like, okay, what, what was that? Okay, why? Why is this here? Whereas, mm -hmm. like, you know, talking to you guys, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about when I use certain lingo or I say, hey, this is the process of this. You know, there's no question there. So when you're trying to vent about your day or kind of decompress with that, it almost aggravates you more because you keep getting interrupted with a question, right? And, that, oh, yeah. and that's almost that's a, a natural point. thing. Like you're, you're sitting mm -hmm. there, you're trying to explain the day, and then the person on the other end doesn't understand. Because so they have asking, context. Yeah, so they're asking clarifying questions. But what happens is you, you kind of get like, all right, I'm, I'm tired of getting asked questions. Mm -hmm. You know, I get asked questions all day long. I don't want to answer them when I get home. So right. it, sometimes that's, that's, I think, a part of it. Like you said, a, a lack of just a baseline understanding of what goes on. I just had another idea for a podcast. Hit me. All right. So who in here has experienced this? You get home from work. You don't want to cook. Spouse doesn't want to cook. Whatever. Right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And they ask you, what do you want for dinner? Where do you want to go to dinner? Oh, I don't care. No, I don't care. I say the same thing. Right. No, I don't Everyone care. does. I don't yeah, care. Yeah. But here's the thing. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. My now, wife my says excuse? I don't care. No, well, my it's wife not says, my wife I've been says, making I don't, I, decisions all day. Yeah. I like I want to be mentally numb right now. Right. Like the thought of thinking makes me sick. Right. But it creates problems in the household. Now, so I'll even take it a step further. So, <laughs> my wife works in the medical field. She is at home, or excuse me, at work. She's making decisions all day long, just like I am. Mm -hmm. Literally, life or death. Like, do I have enough of this medicine? Especially during COVID, it was. I only have enough medicine for like four people, and there's ten sitting here. So that means my decision directly impacts whether or not. People are going to lose and possibly die. It is. And so we, with that same scenario, what do you want for dinner? I don't care. Well, I don't feel like making a decision. Dude, you want to talk about me getting lit up like I've never been lit up before? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't care. I've been making decisions all day. She's like, really? Go ahead. No, yourself. you didn't. I've been making decisions all day. You know what I mean? So it was that instant, like, you know, she put it right on the table. Gave you, right gave there. you a pimp hand. Oh, yeah, man. I was like, crap. So, I mean, but, th but that absolutely happened. That's a real but thing. But I think with this line of work, whether yeah. it's medical field, first responder, yep. anything along this line, or yeah. anything really, type A. It, any job where I guess you, where your employment, you have to make decisions. The last thing mm -hmm. you want to do when you come home, 
is make decisions. Right. Like, you know, people in my life want to watch, like, CSI or some... Yeah, I don't want to watch that. I don't. I, I, I want dude. nothing to do yeah. with any of those types I of want, Let's watch The Shield. No, let's not. No, it's, it's not. Stupid. Like, yeah. right, turn MASH on. Well, MASH is stupid, but I don't have to think. Right. Right. It's just... Yeah, people always make fun of me because I like watching The Simpsons. Dude, I don't have to think. I watch it. They do something but funny. But how many marriages my, has my, this minor problem yeah. has it affected? No, I'm, and I and I wish there was a, a fix for it all. And it really comes down to understanding at the front end. And there was a book written years ago, and I and I cannot remember the author's name, but it was called How to Love a Cop. And a lot of that stuff is in there about yeah. why you need to have somebody who is. Uh, understanding what you do every day and can make the decisions for you because when you get home I'm like yeah I'm out peace yeah I'm not doing that or anymore. how many and I think we've all experienced this and probably the people that are listening too you get home from work you get out of your uniform drop your crap not crap like go in the restroom but take your gun belt off that's what I mean by crap um, you know you put your comfy clothes on you sit on the couch and before you even realize what happened, you're dead to the you're you're dead yeah, asleep. Yeah, out yeah. completely. Yeah. And I read something somewhere, and they, they had some I don't know. It had a name for it, but it's from, um, you know, different experiences through your work day where there may be a little bit of an mm -hmm. adrenaline spike, and then you come down, and then there's another one to where at the end of the day, like more or less. In some capacities, some of your faculties are, well, they're kind of fried. Yeah. So you're kind of in a, a mental coma. Your body needs to rest or sleep just like we do at night to recharge. It says what we've done in, say, an eight-hour day or 10-hour day or 12, whatever your shift was has encompassed, like, you have fried everything. Right. Um, but how many marriages are affected by that? Right. You know, I can think of many conversations in my household that, you know, you come home and you're you just, dead asleep. Yeah, you just sit and, yeah. No, and, and I wish that, you know, I don't personally possess the tools to give advice and, and talk through that. But what I do know is that there are professionals out there mm -hmm. that do and they specialize in first responder type work scenarios. Yes. And, um, you know, that type A personality that tends to come with it to kind of help with those things. So I, I, I guess, you know, if you, if that's you and you can relate to those things, there's there's I, in fact i encourage you and employ you to yeah. to look out for those for those uh signs yeah signs and, and go get help and you might not it might not even need help but you know i kind of look at it like this and i had a uh, a friend of mine who every month him and his wife went to a marriage counselor and i'd never ever seen these two people fight and i was like dude why why do you go go to counseling once a month and he's like we've been doing it since the day we were married once a month even before we got married we'd go to marriage counseling even before we got married when we knew we were going to get married i'm like why do you do that and he's like well do you change oil in your car? I was like, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, well, that's called preventative maintenance. He was like, what do you think happens when we go, and we've been doing it since before we got married, once a month just going as a check-in? There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. And he's Absolutely. like, that's what's kept us strong all these years. And I was like, you know what? I wish I had that foresight years ago. You know? <laughs> right, but, yeah. but here I am, you know, like right. you know, picking up the pieces later or whatever. But, right. Um, I, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. No. Just the check-in. And the thing, like, and here's something, just because, you know, for maybe people that are newer, say, five years or less to this career field. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this. We'll start with you. What, like, how'd your career go as far as, like, you know, for me, and just to kind of see where I'm going with this, like, for me, year zero to three was bliss. Like, I'd have done this shit for free. 
Like, it was just fun. Mm -hmm. um, years three to five, like, I was still having a lot of fun, but then your eyes are open to the world, and you start seeing things like, like, dude, that's cool. Right around the five-year mark, five to ten-year mark, I started seeing things where, like, you know what, this is... I, I started buying in to the negative stuff oh, that yeah. I heard it's easy to do. from the mm -hmm. other people that were already on that negative route. So here's my question. For anybody that's listening, or if you could go back and talk to yourself, what are red flags, things that you're like, hey, if I'd have known that then, like that should have let me know, like, hey, dude, like, you know what I mean? Are you talking like what red flags? Yeah, for what? you, for you, through your career. Because we're, we're all going to have different ones. Man, that's a, that's a good question. Because, you know, and here's kind of my thing. You know, with where I work now, um, that job helped me a lot. Um, there was, and if they're listening, they know exactly who they are. But when I came into that assignment, I was still in a really, really pretty bad way. Um, and I didn't know what I didn't know at that time. And, like, doing what... I do now gave me back a sense of purpose and I didn't really realize that's really what was lacking in my life and I didn't realize like how important that is to anybody like if you're missing that sense of purpose and like I said I can only speak for me now and I know like with that assignment you know it that was one of the factors that really kind of helped me start clawing my way out of that valley mm -hmm. um, but one of the things that I think really helped me specifically is actually all the classes since where I'm assigned now, but um, very early on especially, you know, when I came into that assignment, I was like, you know what, I'm going to be completely honest regardless of the consequences because there's things I wish I would have known at that basic foundational level. And maybe I was taught just zoned out didn't I, I don't know but I was probably more brutally honest than I should have been as far as being up front I think I know some red flags as you've been talking I've, I've been trying to rack my brain to think of okay what are some red flags that I would try to go back in time and say Rocky this you need to you need to keep an eye on this because mm -hmm. this is this is the bad path you're on that, ice yeah you're, you're slipping you're, you're you're slipping you're slipping on black ice right now mm -hmm. So one would be the things like the routines that I had, the the routines that like my 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 regular working out, um, mm -hmm. something as simple as going to church with my family, mm -hmm. or spending some spending uh, time doing hobbies. Like one of the things that I'm not work related. That's not even work related. Now, see, that's that's a big one for me also. That's like, so one thing I used to do, I used to build models, like the plastic aircraft models. <laughs> I'm a huge geek when it comes to like. I'm glad you use those words, like, dude. I'm totally not trying to bust your balls. Right I know. Now, but I'm a that's huge, I, yeah. huge geek when it comes to like World War II model aircraft. Yeah. I'm just. Yeah. I'm I'm a hundred percent geek. Well. I used to have all of these models that I would build and put all this detail into and like 
I would I would devote a lot of time and energy into making these aircraft Clean. as as realistic and real world as possible. Yeah. Right? I would take and, and paint burn marks on the exhausts of the aircraft and <laughs> like just you took it to a different level. I did. I was an <laughs> absolute geek okay. when it came. But when it comes to like when the job started affecting me, mm -hmm. stuff stuff that I really enjoyed was no longer important. Now here's on, on my end, and I would say one of the things looking, of course it's easy to look back with 2020 hindsight, but in the moment, I didn't see it. Um, whereas, you know, having friends outside of, say, law enforcement per se, mm -hmm. where, hey, we would go do this and it was fun, or we would go do this and hang out with these people, it didn't take me long where, honestly, the only people I really associated with off-duty were people that I worked with and their families. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, now, I'm, I, I don't regret those times. Like, we had a lot of fun, but if I could go back, knowing, like, looking back and seeing it now, that was, I don't, I don't think it's bad. And it may not be a red flag. I don't think one thing in and of itself makes it bad. But there are some things in conjunction with that I started noticing kind of sequentially that, Right. This was the route I was going. And, and one of the things is um, where, you know, let's, let's say my spouse and I or whatever, we went out to dinner with couple A. And couple A doesn't, isn't in law enforcement per se. Or even family of whether my spouse or even my family, we would go to dinner and, you know, Sitting at a dinner table, I would, you know, I felt like I had nothing in common. Mm -hmm. So people were talking, and I kind of sat there like a bump on a log, and like I knew probably how it's being perceived, like you're being an ass. That was never my intent, but you know, I guess people with not like experiences, I guess for lack of better terms, I didn't feel I had anything in common, and there was, you know, the things they were talking about, I, in my mind, I'd be like, dude, that's. Like, that's not a problem. You should have seen what I did today. Right. You, you know what I mean? Like, I do. I do. And my, my, my wife's... That my, was an indicator for me, looking back with through 2020 vision. My wife's little brother, um, he is an aeronautical physicist. I would have like, nothing in common like with him. Like, way over my... Like, <laughs> like 30,000 feet way over my head. Okay, because okay. I read it like a third grade level. And, and, and the cool thing is about him, though, is that, like, you've heard some people talk about, like, oh, well, he may be really, really smart, but he has no common sense. Like, right. kind of that yeah. kind of that geek. We've right all heard now. that. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, Sheldon... What is, who's the guy from Big Brother? Yeah, Big, Sheldon. Sheldon Cooper. Yeah. Kind of like that kind of, like, there's no kind of common sense. Right. Well... He's kind of an anomaly because he has both. Okay. So when you try to talk to him about like, hey, what, what's, uh, tell me a little bit about what you did at work today. He's like, I could, but you probably wouldn't understand. It. <laughs> I like this guy already. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, he's really open about That's it. That's the most yeah. professional, hey, dummy. Like, there's better things to <laughs> talk like, about. I could try, I <laughs> like, could try I explaining it to you, and I would explain it to you if you want me so to. Me ask, right. but, so looking back on your career, one of the things... Yeah. Like I said, with 2020 hindsight being where we're at in our careers at this point, looking back, when I had about three years on, anything that I did off duty, you know, leading up to this career, you know, I had people I hung out with, these were the things I did for fun or enjoyment, but it didn't take long in my career where the only people that I hung out with were 
people that I worked with or and yeah. or their families. Yeah. Because like I was telling him, you know, I would go to dinner with say this couple that they're not they don't do what we do and I wasn't trying to be an ass. I I just felt like I had nothing in common and nothing to really contribute to the conversation. Sure. But it's perceived as you know what I mean? And, yeah, yeah. And, and no fault of their own. No, no, no. Yeah, no, I get you. But that was an indicator. So, like, and I think we're all going to have different things looking back. Like, man, I, that was probably the beginning of something, and I didn't see. Yeah, your yeah. your red flags that you had yeah. may not be my my red flags or, or yours. Yeah. What would you notice? Like, if you could look back, what are some of the things, like, yeah. looking back, you'd be like, yeah, that was probably a thing. Yeah, so I, I started feeling it um, at that three- to four-year mark. Um and it was in then, I'll be honest, I got really lucky. And I honestly think the only reason that I, I am where I am now is because of uh, in-passing advice I got from somebody. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, my work performance was starting to tank. I just didn't care anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't want to work. You know, overtime used to be a big thing. I didn't want to work in any of that. I didn't want to do any more than, like, the bare minimum to get by. Yep. Um, I was more interested in, in hiding on my shift than anything else. Mm -hmm. uh, I hit that point. And, you know... Uh, my boss at the time came to me and basically said, you're trying to love something that can't love you back. And it was, it was in that that I realized I was identifying so much with who I am as a person and confusing that with what I do for a living. And there's a big difference there. Hmm. And, and when he said that, it really kind of struck me because I was like, you know what? He's, he's right. You know, I'm trying to love this career and be passionate about this, but it's, it's an entity. It doesn't have feelings. And as soon as you understand that, the better off you are. Because at the end of the day, whether it be, you know, the organization I work for or, you know, Fortune 500 company or any other organization out there, it's running down the tracks with or without you. Yeah. So, and, and to think otherwise is kind of silly, really. And, you know, when we come out of the academies, you know, in our case, out of an academy, you're, you're full of piss and vinegar. You're like, hell yeah, all the way, right? Mm -hmm. I bleed this place. And as soon as you realize that this place doesn't bleed you back, the better off you're being. I don't mean that in a negative way, but right. what I mean is, no, that's that's a good point. He he kind of opened my eyes and he kind of said the best way to kind of get yourself right mentally is, is there's a couple things. He was like, change jobs frequently, and if anyone who knows me knows, the longest I've ever stayed assigned to one office was four years. I've rotated every other job in the second longest is three and a half years, but all the others were two or less. So every two years on average, I've moved into a different role, either job redesign, stay the same rank, just transferred place, or just did something a little bit different. But the other key piece that he told me was, find friends who don't do what you do and they don't work in your industry. Because what happens hmm. is you become isolated with, you can only get along with people in that industry. So for me- That was exactly the story of my career. Yeah, and, and so, so for me, what I kind of forced myself to do was join um, you know, there's a ton of like civic clubs out there and, and social things that they they aim to do good for society, and, and I think that's what mm -hmm. kind of was a turning point for me because you know I like Rotary International, like everyone knows it's it's usually it's a service oriented club, but it's a network of people who all do something completely different, and networking with those people and learning about their backgrounds and then having a common denominator of, okay, we're, we're all in this Rotary Club and so we're all doing volunteer work or even volunteering through my church, like that exposed me to so many more people that I started then socializing with outside of the job. And I honestly think that that's what kind of kept me on, I, I was at a turning point. There's a fork in the road for sure. And it was in that passing conversation that I expanded my social network to other people outside the industry. Mm -hmm. And I learned that 
you know, my job shouldn't bring me my happiness and it also should not bring me my sadness. Those two things should never come from my employment because, you know, really, we, we say this all the time, our time limit is limited with what we do at work. Like all of us have to retire at some point. So knowing that, why would I knowingly allow that place to dictate whether I'm happy or sad? Because when it's gone, then what? You know, and it's like a big dot, dot, dot. And as yeah. we get closer and closer to retirement, that becomes more and more important to find Okay, what does bring me happiness and what brings me sadness? And, and that, dude, I'm going to be honest, like, I'm sitting here with 21 years on, like, I really wish I'd had somebody tell me that. Because I'm sitting here listening and I'm thinking kind of back through my career, that is exactly, except when I went to, when I learned that, I was in an assignment for over 10 years that I was completely sure. passionate about. Yeah. Like, loved my job. And like you said, when I left that assignment, and when other then it's like uh, I tanked, you know what yeah. I mean? And yeah, because your identity becomes what you yes. do for a living, and it's it's that. And I see it all the time, and I wish I could, I wish I could. I, I preach it every time I'm at a at a class or whatever, trying to tell people don't confuse what you do with who you are. Those are two different things, and and so many times I see it. It, it plays out where, and I was a victim of it myself, and I just mm -hmm. got lucky because my boss at the time said don't do that. If I had not, I is mean, it our mutual friend that lives near me? Uh, yeah, I figures. Yeah, yeah, like that. That's dude, good leadership. Like, you know, it, we've it talked truly, about that. Truly, dude. It, when you have people who care, that guy still. Yeah, I got twenty one years I, on. I stopped by his him. house. Yeah, we and he's still giving me good advice. No, yeah, but, but, but that's what it is. You know, dude, when, when our identity is wrapped up into this, we need to bring him this place. No, no, we absolutely do. Even if it's remote Zoom or whatever, I mean, he's a good dude. And we still talk. So yeah. I know you guys do because he lives like two yeah. miles from me, but. Um, you know, if anyone's listening who's early in their career, I'm telling you, this place ends at some point. So don't, yeah, don't don't I identify with what you do for money as who you are as a person because there's yes. two very different things. And you can love your job, don't get me wrong. And mm -hmm. because you know, every day I come to work, I'm thankful that I get to do it. Yeah, love it for eight hours and go home. Yeah, yeah, but it's not going to be who I am. I'm not I'm not waving the flag in my yard like, look at me, I'm so and so, yeah. and I work here, and, and that, that's not who I am as a person. There's so much more mm -hmm. to each of us than than uh, an employment. And you know, it's it's interesting. So my wife pointed this out to me because I never really noticed it before, and she's she's an incredibly insightful woman. And she says to me, and, and you know, everyone who's listening knows that we're in law enforcement. She says, cops are kind of weird because so many people's identity is wrapped up into that that even the spouses are. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, oh. she was like, well, even, she was like, can you imagine if we went to a work function and people said that I was, that you were my half unit, you were, so you're, you're a half PA because you know, she's a physician assistant. And I'm like, that would be weird. And she was like, so think of how weird it is for me to go somewhere. People <laughs> Dude, call me. Dude, I've never thought yeah. of that. And she's I, like. We see license plates. Yes. And it, it's half unit. And I'm not knocking that. Because right, right, if, right. If that's, but you know, if that's a that's culture. That's a valid in, point. It is because so much identity is wrapped up into, you know, being a law enforcement that it extends also to the family. So now you have the family member who, okay, when you retire now, what? What's their identity? You know, if they've been wrapped up with, well, yeah, I'm a cop spouse, which, you know, I've met people who have introduced themselves as, yeah, I'm a cop spouse. And I know mm -hmm. you're kind of smirking because you know people who I, are like I, that. Yeah, I got and, people flashing through and, my mind. Yeah, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with it. And I just, because I'm in cop land, right? I'm mm -hmm. in this cop culture. I had never noticed how how much um, there was to that, Dude, how it can completely I'd, impact. 21 years, I've never keyed on that. Yes, yeah, I never huh, did either. It weird. wasn't until my wife pointed out, and the only it reason she weird. pointed out, because she was like, 
wouldn't it be weird if I introduced you to all my doctor friends as half doctor? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that would be weird. Now, I could get by with maybe like an eighth. You're about an eighth doctor. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like, yeah, I'm an eighth. I'm an eighth physician. Yep. So. Here's, a, here's a band aid. Suck it up. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a stethoscope I found in the parking lot. It was next to some dirty needles. So I don't know where it's been, but good luck. Knock yeah. yourself out. Here's right? a needle if you do need it. Just put it soaking in alcohol. You'll right. be just fine. Right. You'll, be, you'll be great. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think it's important to, to not confuse who you are with what you do. Have your own identity yeah. um, because you're so much more than a badge number, you're so much more than a name bar, you're yeah. so much more than shine shoes, you're so much more than a guy who carries a gun or, or a girl who carries a gun. There's so much that goes into making who you are as a person. Give yourself credit for that because you were a person before you put on that uniform. Mm -hmm. Don't let putting on the uniform become the only thing that you are. I think right? a, a good exercise to kind of stretch that is the idea that, okay, well, how many, um, like for me, how many titles do I have? All right, I'm a son, yeah. I'm a father, I'm a husband, um, I'm a deacon at my church, I'm a scoutmaster. Start, just take a minute and like start naming all of the, the other titles you have and putting those up on a pedestal as opposed to, yeah, I'm a, I'm a cop. Right. Hmm. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? Yeah. Just kind of stretching, like, yeah. like a, kind, of a, kind of a mental exercise, if you will. Yeah, no, and I, I fully agree because, you know, I was thinking about this. I was at a, a police memorial, and, and uh, the uh, chief that was given the, uh, this, the speech for the memorial thing, which every year happens during May during police week, but he was, he was talking about the names on the wall and how they were called father, they were called yeah. you know, brother, they were called son, cousin. And I was like, you know what? Out of every title I've ever held, my best two are dad. Yeah. And and husband. Yes. And I would hate to think anything other than that is what defines me as a person. It, yep. You know, and you know, here I am tearing up. So you're not alone, Josh. I'm, so I'm, right I'm glad. Brother. I'm not glad the only only guy. That but I mean, you, you bring it with reverence. You know, yeah. it's because my my kid when when I'm when I'm gone from this earth, my my kids aren't going to remember their officer dad. Right. They're going to remember dad. Right. Mm -hmm. you, you know, I know this is completely unrelated, but. Um, you know, Dave Grohl, the singer of the Foo Fighters, um, he was the drummer for Nirvana, but I was watching an interview that he did when they put out a new album, and um, the person who was interviewing was talking about his kids, and like, and the interviewer said, do your kids think it's awesome that you're, you're Dave Grohl? And I kid you not, he was like, my kids don't give a fuck who I am. Like, <laughs> he's like, they don't give a shit. They're like, I'm dad. That's it. Like, don't get me another milkshake, dad. Like, that's that's it. And I was like, yes. you know what? Yes. That's how we should that's all be. Spot right? on, dude. We really should be. You know, here's dad as a rock star, but the kids don't care. You're dad, and and own that. Be let that be what defines you as a person. If you're not a dad, a good person. Let that be what defines you. You know, you deacon at your church. Let that define you, not officer or you know mm -hmm. constable or you know whatever whatever, whatever your is. title yeah. is yeah. fireman it doesn't matter and yeah so i don't know how we got here once it, i don't either. Not, like I we like had it. a whole agenda <laughs> we haven't touched one of them yet so, <laughs> so bottom line hold to the titles that count and yes. not expire with your employment Ooh, i like that damn why didn't we bring you on sooner yeah i don't know that we can top that i think that just oh. ends it so I guess, like always, yep. <laughs> focus on your relationships because that's what matters because we all retire. Take care of one another and stay safe. Thanks for listening. All right. See you. Thanks for
for listening to this episode of Frontline Freedom Adventure Therapy Podcast. If you have a story you'd like to share, send us an email at podcast at frontlinefreedom.org. And if you're looking for more information on Frontline Freedom Adventure Therapy trips, check out our website at www.frontlinefreedom.org.